Euradio, Ideas on Europe, in partnership with UACs. For our weekly Ideas on Europe, editorial by UACES, the University Association for European Studies, we welcome back Borja Garcia from Loughborough University in the United Kingdom. Bonjour, Borja. Buenos dias, Laurence. <laughs> Almost uh, two weeks into uh, the invasion of Ukraine, Russia finds itself now completely isolated in the world of sport, despite some initial hesitation by the International Olympic Committee and FIFA. As an expert in the politics of sport, what are your thoughts? Well, uh, international sport governing bodies such as the IOC or FIFA, they tend to argue that sport and politics should not be mixed uh, when they do not want to get dragged into difficult geopolitical decisions. But this time, though, sport really could not get away with it. And the international federations, they've been forced to take decisions they could have liked to avoid. So the simple fact is that the IOC or other federations, they've succumbed to external pressure, and this really is an exception. These bodies normally do not want to be told what they should do, and they really try to be agenda setters rather than uh, being reactive. So another interesting point in all that is that uh, international sport hardly enters into geopolitical conflicts, and even less after the Cold War. So isolating one country in sport is tremendously exceptional, and the precedents are precedents, sorry, are only South Africa in times of the upper height, and then also in Europe, Yugoslavia in the early 1990s. So this is why these sanctions imposed on Russia now are so exceptional. If I remember correctly, even when Russia was accused of state-sponsored doping, it was still allowed to be part of international sport competitions. Yeah, indeed, it was. Um, now, to put it simply, Russia, however, is cut off from international sport uh, completely. And also Belarus, we should not forget it. Both countries are not allowed to be part of international sport competitions with their national teams. But also sporting events uh, that were due to organize have now been cancelled. And this is quite important given the economic and political benefits of staging major sporting events. So Formula One, for, exa for example, has taken the quite a tough stance, saying they will not organize any Grand Prix in Russia in the foreseeable future. And similarly, Russian clubs, they've been expelled from competitions like Spartak Moscow, which was due to play this week, in, uh, was due to play Leipzig in the UEFA Europa League. They are kicked out. And the German team uh, has now progressed to the next round without having to play a single minute. An individual sport, uh, however, there is a little bit of need for some clarity, whereas the professional tennis circuit, for example, has not expelled Russian players. The International Paralympic Committee had to ban participation of Russian and Belarusian para-athletes in the Beijing Paralympic Games after athletes from the rest of the world threatened a boycott. I had never heard of an athlete boycott before. This is really unusual. It is, really, Lawrence. Uh, athletes do voice their concerns in political and humanitarian issues, but they do not tend to do it in competition. Actually, in the run-up to the Tokyo 2020 Olympic Games, the IOC banned athletes from making any political statement during the Games, uh, and that was very, very contentious. 
But the athletes now, this time around, they've been very vocal from the beginning of the invasion of Ukraine. And we do not often see this level of athlete power in international sport. They campaign in social media, and it was quite clear that the international unions of athletes, they really wanted a strong sanctions. So the strong message sent by the athletes was then also reinforced by countries such as Poland, Sweden, or even Denmark, saying they would not play Russia's football team under any circumstances. We also had Lithuanian basketball club, Saltiris Kaunas, who refused to play any of the three Russian clubs in the Euroleague, even if that meant to forfeit the matches, which is quite important. So international federations, they found themselves under a perfect storm. Could they really keep acting as if nothing had happened? Of course they could not. And, of course, and therefore, for the very first time in this scope, I really think they lost a battle. And the call for severe sanctions even went beyond the competition themselves. UEFA, uh, they, they have been forced now to cancel their long-standing and very lucrative sponsorship cooperation with the Russian energy giant Gazprom. And even individual football clubs like Schalke in Germany or even Ever Everton in England, they prefer to take a big economic risk rather than continue to have the Gazprom or other Russian companies' logo on their shirts. And now, of course, Chelsea also finds itself in problems. So with the war ongoing and increasing in intensity, I don't think we've seen the end of it. Of course, sports sanctions will not wait, perhaps, as much as economic sanctions. But uh, isolating two entire nations from the international sport community, not to mention, by the way, the Eurovision Song Contest, another important leisure highlight, has a very symbolic value that goes well beyond 12 points, 12 points or the European Cup win. Many thanks, Borja, for your expert recap on the sanction in the field of sport. Ideas on Europe will be back next week and we will welcome Natasha Stizinska from the Jagiel Nolnian University in Krakow, Poland. <laughs> 